You're listening to Going Deeper in John, a weekly podcast through Term 1 as Norwest Anglican discovers the depths of God's beauty in John's Gospel. Well, hello, Norwest Anglican and anyone else who might be listening out there. Great to be with you for this, our final podcast for our Term 1 Sermon Series, uh, God According to John. We're here Monday morning, first thing, uh, with Tim Schooler. Hello, Tim. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, all. Afternoon, as you, wherever you are. It's a sad thought that it's our last podcast in the John series. It's been such a fun ride all the way through. Well, there is discussions afoot as to whether podcasts will continue, so mm. we'll see where that goes. Stay been, tuned. Stay tuned. This has been a bit experimental, but uh, we've had some reasonably positive feedback, which has been encouraging. Yeah. Now, how have you pulled up after Sunday? Good. Okay. Yeah, I... Um, uh, it's funny when you preach and you have the the wonderful privilege to be the one who's been thinking about this passage so in depth throughout the week, mm. uh, the passage with a theme, and uh, and often in conversations that you have with people afterwards, and you just you just you know there are new things that come out, mm. and you mm. you just it's really nice mm. to be at this point and go. I've just been so blessed by the chance to think mm. about these things all week, and um, yeah, to spend my time with God's people. So uh, yeah, feeling. Uh, just feeling the joy of Trinity this yeah, morning. Yeah, not a bad way to start your Monday morning. No, it's not bad. It was um, it was delightful. It was a bit of a snapshot last night in Q and C at Chapel Lane of of how a community group can actually wrestle with these deep things and and have delightful difference. We'll come to that. Yeah, we almost needed an intervention between those guys. They were going back and forth with the mic. But gee, it was fabulous to see them just wrestling with God's word, Absolutely. And loving being in God's word. So anyway, very good. Now, Tim, let's let's dive in. We we're now eight sermons in. We've wrapped up God according to John, uh, our deep dive in uh, in John's gospel, uh, wanting to put theological logs onto our theological fires to to sustain us for years to come. Yeah. What was what was as you saw this series, you pulled it together. Um, you spent a lot of time thinking hard about where you wanted it to land. What was the goal of this series as you saw it? Well, I've always loved John's gospel. And one of the reasons why I've loved John's gospel is because it's that little bit different to Matthew, Mark, and Luke in that Matthew, Mark, and I mean, all the gospel, the four of the gospel um, accounts mm. talk about the narrative aspect of Jesus sort of mm. living and ministering um, in the first century. And so they're, they're all that um, and they're same in that sense. But John has these uh, little um, asides mm. where it's like these like, it's this moment of theological reflection. Mm. And as you're reading through the gospel, you're like, oh, that's, I've not heard mm. someone speak like that before. Mm. And often it's on Jesus' lips mm. or it's uh, John's thought as he sort of sums up a section or mm. it's John the Baptist who's saying this or it's the woman mm. of the world who's doing, you know, these, these things that- The synoptics um, don't quite have that in the same way. That's right. Mm. That's right. There's there's more, and maybe it's because John's written that little bit later in the first century, but it's this, there's a- um, there's a reflection that has gone on and a depth to it, which is just beautiful and captivating. And something that's, I think when you're reading the gospel, it draws you in and you go, I, I want to, I want to hear more on that. Mm. And so as I was my, working up the series, I thought, well, let's, let's spend time in those passages, mm. those ones that are perhaps the things that perhaps will only we come across in John mm. and, um, and easily the, skated over because they right. take a bit of work. Right? That's right. That's mm. right. Mm. Um, but let's make the most of these passages because It'll be, you know, five years probably mm. until Norwest preaches through John's mm. gospel again. Mm. Um, so let's make the most of it while we're here. And um, there's a reason, isn't there, with 
Christianity Explored walks through Mark, which is quite a linear narrative yep. um, and quite simple in a bunch of ways in terms of I mean, yep. some tricky parts, but quite simple in actually laying out the historicity of Jesus yep. and his life and his works. Uh, John is very different. Yeah, mm. that's right. And, and Mark is, as you say, linear and it's fast moving. It's this happened and yeah. this happened and this mm. happened. And you're reading it and you're like, wow, Jesus is this man of action. Mm. And you read John and it's a bit more circular. Yeah. You, know, you come back to these themes and glory sort of like weaves its way through mm-hmm. and um, the uh, these themes of um, yeah, all of these different themes in John's gospel that you, you come back to again and again and again and you know, the way we've thought about water mm-hmm. in this uh, mm-hmm. series and mm-hmm. these things that just they just pop up and, mm-hmm. you, yeah, it's, it's back. Yeah, it's fabulous, isn't it? The spirit as well. Um, so we've now preached it and... Uh, as our people at North do, they they give us feedback as we go, which is always a delight. Um, what, what do you think people have loved about the series? I think people have loved almost being given permission to think theologically, which is something that I, I think we're probably a little bit scared to do. We sort of feel like it's – if for the average uh, churchgoer, mm. we sort of feel like – Theological thinking is for other people to do and our job is to sit back mm. and, and listen. But actually this has been a series where we've been encouraged, all of us, to think theologically, mm. recognising that it is something that we all do anyway, mm. so we might as well do it well. Mm. And uh, I think there's been something refreshing about that. And it's, it's – I mean, there's a bit of nerding out a bit, but it's there is actually something exciting about thinking mm. theologically mm. and going, this is God. Mm. And I'm – Working out in my head by the help of the Spirit through the Scriptures, I'm working out who God is. Mm. This is the God who I love and who I worship, and that's that's actually a thrilling task. Yeah, and when you think about when you put it like that, why why would we expect that to be a simple task? Yes, you know, yes. When creatures try to wrap their head around what is revealed of the Creator, the One who made them, that is going to be stretching, isn't yes. it? Yes. And one of the beautiful things about um, again the privileged position of being the preacher is that you have conversations with eighty year olds at church mm. or with fifteen year olds mm. at church. Who are wrestling and growing thing. and thinking, yeah. and there's there are infinite depths mm. for us to go to. Tony, you said uh, it's almost given our people permission to think theologically. I, I have to say, as a preacher, as I picked up in a number of sermons in this series, I, I felt that freedom to go a bit deeper as well. I think in a soundbite culture, um, I think as a preacher, sometimes I feel okay, the sermon's got to be engaging, it's got to be fast moving, we've got to keep people with us, we've got 23 minutes to get something out that will help them for the week to come. And all of those things are, are worthwhile and worth keeping in mind, absolutely. And yet in this series, it was almost like I felt I had permission to, to say, okay, so here's what we see. All right, now what's going on? Let, let's go down another level. Yeah. Um, and that that was lovely, you know, yeah. to be able to to push people in that way and push yeah. myself. And that's it, push ourselves, right? Mm. It, was a, it was a healthy stretch for us as preachers to mm. go, we, mm. we want to answer some further questions mm. than simply comment not, not that we ever simply comment on yeah, the text, but yeah, yeah. to go that bit deeper. Yeah. All right. Now let's dive into yes. the Trinity, which was our topic from Sunday. Now, uh, the first thing I just want to get, hear a bit more from you is I, I think when people think about the Trinity, it's often like predestination. It's it's putting that too hard basket. We'll never get our head around it, so is it even worth trying? Um, and so that leads some people to think that actually wrestling with the Trinity is really the domain or the playground of the theologian, but not the punter. Uh, the, the the problem with that, of course, is that the punter is a theologian because we all think thoughts after our God. We're all wrestling with who he is and, yeah. and how he works in our world. Um, so, yeah, what do you want to say about that? I mean, where is the value for for us just to wrestle with the, theo- with the theology of the Trinity? And I don't mean as clergy. I mean as God's people and all of us. 
Well, I mentioned in the sermon that your conception of God will impact the way that you live. And I think there's potentially some other um, things that we'll get onto it with that in the podcast. But that what that means is that if you have a right understanding of God, then that will impact you by encouraging you towards right living. Mm. If you have a false understanding of who God is, if really you go, I know Jesus is sort of godish in some way, but really there's one dude in the sky, mm. well... And he's love. And he's love in some vague sense. Mm, mm. And there's questions that, well, who is he loving and how is he mm. loving and where's that directed to? Is that a self-seeking? Like, mm. you don't have to ask too many questions mm. to realise that it's going to be problematic. But that's going to end up impacting the way that you live. Mm. You're going you're gonna to live a vague Christian life that is vaguely loving. And Jesus is sort of, I know he's sort of done things for me, but it it's not as grounded, it's mm. not as sweet, it's not as beautiful as what the Christian gospel is. And so our lives will become less grounded, less sweet and less loving. And there'll be more of us in our lives mm. going, this is just what I want to do and so mm. I'm going to do it. A right understanding of God as Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit, will shape our lives to be lives of love. And that might be a slow progress to get there. We all grow slower mm. than what we want. But it has a profound impact because what we're saying is that this is the very core thing of the universe. Mm -hmm. And if we get that wrong, mm -hmm. then our understanding of how we live in the universe is going to be impacted. Yeah, I've always found it helpful whenever we wrestle with the Trinity to try to draw it back to commensurate human relationships. Not that there's any, but there are some that are close because that actually helps us, okay, what's going on here? And I guess when you're talking about there, we have this vague sense of God in the sky who's bigger than us, better than us, loving in some way but we can't really get our head around it. It's almost like you're describing it from a human relationship perspective an acquaintance, someone yes. who we know we know a bit about them. But compare that to your beloved, your, your child, your, your parent, your spouse, yeah. and the richness of the relationship with that person who you've invested in, slowed down to understand, really tried to listen to, sought their forgiveness. Um, that's a very different relationship to the person who you are more acquaintances with, right? It is, and um, uh, to the uh, to the single people out there, you know, we know, we talk about spouses a lot, um, but you can think about like the, the best friend who you've sort of mm. almost like committed to going mm. through life with, mm. um, be it a, a sibling or another. But if you think about a spouse, if it is that your conception of God is that really at the core of the universe there's one person, mm. probably a single male understanding of God, mm. and that uh, that person that God. Um, brings other people alongside to sort of, you know, fill some needs for him, mm. that is going to play out into your marriage mm. that if you're a bloke, really, this is about me and I bring a wife alongside to, um, you know, to help me out with some domestic mm. duties. But really, this, mm. is, this is at the core of existence for mm. me. Mm. That's an abhorrent thought mm. in Christian marriage mm. because there is a mutual giving because you you now are now united to someone who you exist to serve and love and mm. cherish mm. in the same way that Father, Son, and Spirit love loving mm. one another. Mm. They love serving one another mm. and they, uh, they move towards the other recognising that there is beauty in mm. unity. Mm. So, okay, so what you've moved to there, just as we're talking, is, is the way that the Trinitarian God impacts human relationships. That is, if we are made in God's image, which we're told, and God is Trinitarian, so we're now thinking through how does a Trinitarian God impact the relationships we're in? And you're saying, actually, 
if we're made in God's image, we are to live like him. Uh, he is a God who loves, pours himself out for the sake of the other. Yeah. And you're saying that's going to impact the way we are married, uh, the way we treat friends, the way we treat colleagues. Um, I, that's right. And, I mean, we used yesterday in the, um, in the sermon the example of, of Islam, and I think you uh, can see some things there. But perhaps if we go to something a little bit closer to home mm. and you think about Christian sects which deny the divinity of the Son. Mm-hmm. And generally what happens when you go that route is that you end up with a far more male-dominated church scene. Often there's, uh, you know, men can have multiple wives, mm-hmm. for instance, um, but the role of the male is to be the leader, to have the power, to be, um, and then supported by those around them. So why does a denial of the divinity of the Son push into that, do you think? Because really it's saying, well, God is the one God. You know, there's, there's one, there's uh, a single source of power and authority up there, and so the church is going to end up modelling itself on that. And when you deny the divinity of the, the Son. the identity of the Father alone. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you strip out of human relationships the need to mirror that. Mm. You strip out of human relationships the need to be always thinking about giving and loving the other. Mm. And instead it's really about, you know, well, who's the one? Mm. And how is the how is the one um, supported and mm. adored and mm. worshipped in that mm. sense? No, it's fascinating. Let's let's turn to to the passage. And um, one thing that came up yesterday was this idea of unity. Because uh, Jesus is very clear here that actually he's united with the Father and that's a unity that then spills out. And so I'm looking at um, John 17, 22, where Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Now, look, that's tricky <laughs> uh, in a bunch of ways, but but that question came up about unity. So let, let's... Let's throw that around for a little bit. What, what do you think that unity is talking about, firstly, within the Godhead, and then the unity that then flows out, that we are unified not only with God, but we are unified with one another? Yeah, so in the Godhead, you see this perfect, uh, perfectly displayed, the unity of the Godhead. Uh, and so I've always found a helpful way to think about that as you know, three persons who are in such a deep relationship of love that they're actually one. You know, mm-hmm. that's... Um, that's this picture that we have of, of the Godhead. And then that's spilling out into us, there's people, as we've said, Jesus is praying for us as you know, believers throughout 20, 21 centuries from verse 20, are those who believe in Christ through the message of the disciples. And so Christ's prayer for us is that we might experience this sort of unity as well as the church, as the body of Christ. And so that's something that we should seek and should, we should desire mm-hmm. to have great, unity uh, with our uh, brothers and sisters across denominations, across um, different churches, mm. across different But parishes. doesn't, okay, so that this came up uh, at one, in one of the questions yesterday. Doesn't the very, you've introduced the language of denominations, doesn't that straight away smack of a lack of unity? Yeah. Uh, and so this is, this is where the rubber hits the road because there is, because um, there have been people in church history who have, taken stands on certain things that have said, well, we're going to, we think differently on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very often that's completely fine. So, um, so it's more things around the edges, you would say. Yeah. So where there are denominations that have, uh, have a complete and full trust in the authority of the Bible and 
think the same things as us with in terms of the gospel and how salvation occurs and who God is, mm. you can have a great deal of unity and it might just be when you have a conversation about baptism mm. or about church governance mm. or about something else, which is important but not ultimately important. You can have a conversation about those things, recognising that you are unified as brothers and sisters in Christ and we're going, well, we'll see who is right in glory. You know, And yeah. you can do that in a, in a way that says, we do care about these mm. secondary matters, mm. but not in a way that's going to um, be ultimately okay. determined. Well, for let, us. let me ask you a bit about that because we've recently had a number of people from a Baptist background join us yeah. wonderfully. Yeah. And they've just, it's, it's like they've been in noise forever, yeah. <laughs> delightfully. Um, so evidently, there has been no big issues for them or for us which have impaired fellowship at all. Right. But you have said um, there are some things, uh, I can't remember the language you just used, but there are some things that, uh, will impair fellowship and others that yeah. won't, uh, for example, baptism. Yeah. How do we determine what those areas are that are yeah. that actually truly bring division? And in a sense, who says? Yeah. Who says that baptism isn't? Because some people might yes. say baptism is. Yes. Um, and who says that how you understand Jesus' divinity is yes. or isn't? You know, how do, how yeah. do we work that out? So I found it helpful to think about things in three different categories, things that we, we write in pencil, things we write in ink, and things we write in blood. Mm-hmm. And so things we write in pencil are things that we're not quite sure of. I've got a few sketchy thoughts around this. You know, I've just sort of read an interesting um, part of the Bible and I've come up with an, a theory as to, mm-hmm. you know, something that's going on. You write that in pencil because we're not really sure. And mm-hmm. maybe if someone else came in um, helped us, we'd very quickly sort of re-sketch. Mm-hmm. Then there are things that we write in pen or in, in ink. And those are things that we go, I'm convinced of this, uh, but it's still just a matter of writing something down on a paper. And so I'd put baptism in that category and we'll come back to why mm, in a moment mm, mm. Um, as something that I know what I think on baptism mm. and I'm prepared to um, commit to that. Mm. But, um, and, and always I'm open to being persuaded otherwise, but I'm pretty set in mm. what I think on mm. that. But then there are things that I, I write in blood. That is, these are the things I'm willing to die for. Mm. And if someone says, you've got to deny the divinity of the son, I say, not going to happen. Not going to happen, mm. right? Lead me to the execution chamber. And so the way that you, um, the way that you work out which is which is that you go, okay, well, we have the scriptures, mm. and God has revealed Himself to us in the scriptures, and if something is held up by the scriptures as of utmost importance, mm. like the divinity of the Son. Mm. Then that's something that simply, if so, if, so the Bible itself presents that as a first order issue. It's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, John's gospel finishes with uh, these things are written, John chapter 20, verse 30, uh, 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm. So if you deny that, you are denying John's gospel. You're denying the, the thrust scriptures. of the whole you say, you're, yeah. you're holding up the Bible and saying this is not a true mm. document. Mm. And, and at that point, well, we're not Christians. Whereas, whereas it comes to something like baptism, there's an openness because we see different models in the Bible. We see different emphases. Paul says, I don't even know who I'd baptize. You know? right. And so what do you do with that? All of that. That's and right. so therefore there's a greater level of freedom is what you're saying. That's right. That's Dictated right. by the shape of the scriptures themselves. That's right. Because the Bible is what God has given us. And if you look at the way that Jesus speaks about the Bible, Old Testament and New, you see that Jesus' understanding is that the scriptures were authoritative in his life. Mm. And this is what has been given to us. Mm as the authoritative revelation of God for us to live by. Mm. And so if we, and this is the good example, right, where there are other churches who have 
denied all or part of the Bible as being authoritative. Mm. Well, they've said, look, we believe the Bible, but it's it's one authority amongst others. Mm. And you go, well, at that point, you're actually moving away from what the Bible itself would call you to. Mm. And, and claims about itself. That's right. Mm. And, uh, and so at that point, we're not going to be in unity with those people mm. because they're moving away from what, Mm. Orthodox Christian faith is. Mm. And so for those people, if we're in relationship with them, we want to open up the scriptures, bring them alongside, look at it together and Mm. say, hey, come back. Come back to Mm. a right Mm. understanding and an understanding of the gospel that is in keeping with what the scriptures say because I'm I'm concerned for Mm. you and I don't want you to drift into a – into – Yeah, false, mm. uh, false understanding of who God is. So maybe then it's a it's a call for unity around matters of centrality and grace around matters of periphery or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, um, well because you can be unified in the sense. So our Baptist friends who mm. would be, um, this is strong language perhaps, but some of them would be, um, yeah, you could say they might be appalled that we would baptize infants, right? Yeah, maybe um, that's probably strong language. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We'd probably think that, but. It's, uh, but not for them. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it might be the case. And um, for for them, we can have a unity in our view on baptism, which is we're unified in the sense that this is a secondary matter. Mm. You know, mm. we're unified in the sense that we say we disagree on this, but we're unified in the mm. way that we hold it mm. because mm. we recognise what is of first importance, mm. and that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so that you know we. Um, I, mean, I I grew up in a Baptist church, mm. you know. Mm. So mm. <laughs> it's is, this is part of my family's yeah. story as yeah. well. Yeah, let's um let's jump into an, another thing that came up yesterday, which was delightful. So uh, you you quoted Richard Sibbs yesterday, one of the Puritans, mm. um, who described God's love as the spreading goodness of God. I found mm. that a very evocative image. It was mm. just delightful. Um, and then you started speaking about verse twenty six, uh, John seventeen twenty six. Uh, where it says this, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, that I myself may be in them. And in a sense, you're talking there how um, in a, the love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in Trinity is enjoyed by God's people too. It bubbles over, it flows over. We're drawn into the very life of the Trinity in some way and that love then becomes our experience. You then talked about how the Trinity matters because, in a sense, the love we see there is the only hope for our world. And you talked about the hopelessness of, of a certain demographic, you know, yeah. teenagers in, in our world. Yeah. I just wonder if we can unpack that a bit more, just to, you know, and maybe make that a bit more concrete. So, so let's start with the love we see between the members of the Trinity yeah. that they have for one another and how that then flows over to us. Yeah. Richard Sibbs uh, was known in his day as uh, the heavenly Dr. Sibbs. Because he was um, just, people would hear him preach and think, "Oh, he's so close to heaven." Oh wow! You know, the honey dripper was another yeah, name wow. that he got because he just had this—he just had sweetness on his lips. Mm. And uh, this again, this this quote's an example: just this spreading goodness of God mm. that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were happy in themselves. Mm. What a delightful image of mm. God! Mm. And because that is the case, a lack of need, right? That's right, or neediness. That's right. Mm. Which is so like you compare that to our world, and you compare that to all of us. Compared to us, yeah, we're so needy. Yeah. And God said, God comes to us without need, mm. but purely to give. Mm. And so that's, um, yeah, that's that's Richard Sibbs. And 
And in verse 26, you have Jesus praying that this experience, this love would overflow into us. And so that's where we, um, in the sermon, we went to this idea of adoption, how the, by, the, by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, that we're brought into this experience of being sons of God, mm-hmm. um, which is, there's wonderful depth in that. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're right, that's what the world needs, right? Because our world is so needy. Mm-hmm. Even if that graph that we showed yesterday in the sermon that says um, 44% of high school students uh, feel persistently sad or hopeless in the United States, uh, as up around 60% for um, for teenage girls, 75% for LGBT. Mm. Even if that's off by 20%, mm. those are still astronomically high figures. Mm. There is so much need in our world. And towards that world, there is a God who exists purely to love and purely to spread his goodness. If only our world mm. would have the eyes and the ears, to see and hear him. So the obvious question then is, how do we, and as we're coming into Easter, maybe yeah. it's a good time to, yeah. to think about this, how do we bring that amazing spreading love of God in Trinity yeah. to our people? I, I think you're right. We don't start by speaking about eggs or heating yeah. Jesus up or anything yeah. like that, heating God up. Um, is it? Would it not be right to say we start by speaking about the God we meet in his actions in this world? In yeah. the Lord Jesus, what he's done. Yeah. And I, I think because of what we've seen throughout John's gospel, we start as God's people with the conviction that what our our world needs is God. Mm. That's our gotta be our conviction mm. that says God is so good. And if we are without him, because we know as Christians, like the great fear of the Christian is that we will fall away, right? Mm. That we mm. would we would wander away from God's goodness. And so we sort of know how perilous our state will be without him. That's the state that our world is in. We've got to start with this conviction that mm. God is what the world needs. And then we think, okay, where are the opportunities for me to impact the world around me with the love of God? Mm. And that's spreading the goodness of God through um, our evangelism, mm. but through our actions, through having a, a view to praying for our mm. neighbours mm. um, and to be praying for those who we might come across. And then when something comes up like Easter, we go, okay, this actually is an opportunity to invite someone along mm. to church mm. because the world does stop for Easter mm. still. Mm. Um, there are holidays mm. and people are always mindful of when the holidays come. Mm. And so this is an opportunity to think about with our, with our friends at work this week. What does Easter mean for you? Mm, mm. What's your what's your understanding of why of what the Christian view of Easter is? Mm. And just see what people come up with mm. and bring them back to whether whether they say is accurate or not, bring them back to the love at mm. the cross. Because that's what our world needs to hear. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're talking about how our God needs nothing from us, mm. right? And that is so different from us because we ne- we are so needy. Mm. And maybe that's a helpful entry point because actually we know firsthand the neediness that dwells within our breast. And so therefore we know the neediness that actually all creatures have and feel. And so we can in humility point them to the one or to the place, to the one, to the person where we found a love like no other. Yeah. Um, A love that has not let us down. Like essentially every other love has. Yeah. Every other love has let us down. The love of a parent, love of a spouse, love of a friend has let us down because actually and it lets everyone down. It and does. This is the thing. It does. Because so often, if we're if we're in the one who, especially the, the like the sad or hopeless category that we mm. think about yesterday, mm. if we're the one in that category, our default is to think, 
I'm the only one who thinks like this. Yeah. I'm the only one who feels like this. Yeah. And that is so isolating mm, and so alone. Mm, mm. And in the gospel, there's a way of saying there's a, there's a God who can sustain you through mm, this. Mm. And in the church, there is a body of believers mm. who are by your side mm. in this. And we're all messy mm. and we're all broken. Mm. None of us have this stuff together, mm. but we have a God who is without need mm. and he gives us and he sustains mm. us. And so in three days' time, uh, it is Good Friday, mm. four days' time, and uh, we will get to witness a love like no other. I want to give you the last word, Tim, as we wrap up uh, our podcast and our series. Uh, what would you leave us with as we approach both Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday this weekend? You cannot know God better and love him less. You can know more about God. Hang on. You cannot know God better, yet love him less. Yeah. Okay. So you can know more about God. Like you can fill your head with like Things, academic truths about God, yeah. but you can't know God better as you draw close to him in relationship and love him less. Mm. And a love for God that knows the love of God is what we were created for. Mm. And so as we come towards Easter, for ourselves know that any investment we make this week in deciding to know God better, mm. opening the scriptures and praying mm. or in community group, that's a worthwhile investment. Mm. It'll pay out. It will. And it's mm. a great gift to us that in our culture we still do have the rhythm of, Christ, of Christmas and Easter mm. where we have a chance mm. to slow down mm. if we take it. Because, yeah, we, you can't know God better and love mm. him less. Mm. Well, thank you, Tim, friends. That is uh, our podcast series for our sermon series, God According to John. That's where we wrap it up today. But we do want to encourage you to stay tuned. We're still going, we're still wrestling with uh, the, the idea of podcasts. Thank you for the feedback we've been getting along the way. And uh, for now, watch this space. May God bless you as you uh, prepare uh, to make room for Him in your hearts this Easter. See you guys. See you. Thank you for listening. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to connect with us at norwest.org.